Well, good morning again. This morning we are continuing our sermon series, The Songs of Christmas. And this morning when we began our service, we started singing, um, started out by singing the song, The First Noel. And, and the description here says, the Noel is a French word originating from Latin, meaning birthday. This th- the song is thought to have been brought across the channel to England around 1823. The carol under the English form Noel became a great favorite for Christmas Eve, especially in the west of England. This was when the entire village gathered together for singing and the bringing in of the Yuletime log. At this time, carols were thought best to be sung outside the church as opposed to inside the church. I thought that was really interesting. And so I guess the singing was outside and the preaching was inside. Do y'all think we need to get back to that today? I, it's a little warm in here to me, I think, so I think it would have been great. But um, the song go, or this description goes on. The first Noel betrays in vivid narrative style the story of the verse, birth of Christ. And the verse, first verse says, The first Noel, the angels did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. In fields where they lay, keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Noel, Noel, born is the king of Israel. So we've come together this morning to continue this sermon series. And this morning we're going to be looking at Simeon's song. And I love the character Simeon. I love his love for the Lord and his devotion to the Lord. And we're going to see that on full display this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin reading in verse 21. And we're going to walk through this great section of Scripture, and we'll conclude with verse 35. So Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21, we read these words. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for the purification... According to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought him, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for a revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul, so that thoughts from many hearts 
may be revealed. This morning, this is a message about revelation, expectation, and dedication. That's what we're going to look at together to, to this morning as we look at this character within our Christmas story by the name of Simeon. And the first thing that we see this morning in our passage of Scripture is the presentation of Jesus. So eight days after Jesus was born, he, he, was, he, he was circumcised, and on that day, he was given the name Jesus. Eight days was customary according to the law. Did Jesus have to be circumcised? Absolutely not. He was God in the flesh. He didn't have to be circumcised. And we know that as Jesus grew, he would also be baptized. Did Jesus have to get baptized? No. Why? Because he was sinless. He had never committed a sin. And then finally, we also know that Jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross for our sins. Did he have to do that? No. Why did he do that? He did it because he demonstrated his great love for us by dying on the cross for our sins. None of those things had to happen. But Jesus chose to do them because of his great love for us. And also, he was circumcised because that was what was expected according to the law. And Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, did he? He came to fulfill the law. And so he kept every aspect of the law. And so when we think about Mary and Joseph, you know, these are two parents that loved the Lord and kept the law, didn't they? Even from the very early ages of Jesus' life, they adhered to the law and they brought Jesus so that he could be circumcised according to the law. So following the circumcision of Jesus, we fast forward about 32 days. Mary and Joseph, they go into Jerusalem and they enter into the temple and there they are going to present Jesus and they are also going to offer up sacrifices according to the law. So in verses 22 through 24, again, we read these words. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice. Sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of, turtle, two, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Few truths that we can see within this little section of Scripture. The first thing that we see to be true right here in this Scripture is that Mary was a sinner. Okay? Mary was a sinner and she recognized that she was a sinner and that's why she offered up a sacrifice before the Lord. We also know here that Mary and Joseph were poor. It was customary according to the law, if a person had money, they were to offer up a young lamb to be sacrificed before the Lord. If they didn't have the money to offer up a lamb, what were they to do? They were to offer up turtle doves or two pigeons. And that was a customary according to Leviticus chapter 12, verse 8. And thirdly, we know this. We know that the wise men had not yet entered the picture either. Because if the wise men had entered the picture, what do we know? What was one of the gifts that the wise men brought to Mary and Joseph to give to Jesus? Gold. And so because they brought gold, we don't know how much it was, but certainly it was enough to afford a lamb that could have been offered up for sacrifice. So all of your nativity scenes, okay, are theologically incorrect. Um, a couple of uh, weeks ago, whenever we were setting up for Christmas, well, I say we, not me, but Bill and, and Debbie and, and many others, as they were setting up for Christmas, I was out there in the foyer area supervising, I guess you would say, and, and Debbie was setting up the nativity scene. 
And as she was doing that, she was putting the wise men over there close to the nativity scene. And I told her, I said, Deb, you know the wise men were not part of the nativity scene, right? They didn't show up until after the fact. You realize that? She goes, I know. And she just kind of gave me the look. And so what she did, you can go out there and look at it by our Christmas uh, mailbox there. She took the wise men and she put them and tucked them into the corner away from the the nativity scene. And so uh, hopefully yours at home are similar to that. Um, Mary and Joseph, we know, were two blessed individuals that were highly favored by God. And I want you to know this morning, you too are highly favored by God. You too have been set apart by God to do amazing things for the Lord. And that is good news for all of us in this room this morning. Notice our next point. It's this, the anticipation of Jesus. In verse 25, we read these words. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Who was Simeon? You know, we don't know who Simeon was. Outside of this story, we know nothing about this man. But yet, within this story, we know plenty, don't we? No, the very beginning we read that Simeon was righteous and devout. What does that mean? His righteousness tells us that he was in right standing with God. His devoutness tells us that he was a man that kept the law and adhered to the law and was obedient to the law. Am I right? And so we know this about him. It was because of his righteousness and his devotion that he would be privileged enough to become one of the characters within our Christmas story. Scripture tells us also that he was a man found waiting. He was waiting on the consolation of the Lord. You know what that means? That means this, that Simeon was waiting on Jerusalem's redemption. He was waiting on the coming of the kingdom of God. He was waiting on the Messiah to burst into human history and come and dwell amongst all of humanity. He was waiting on the Messiah. He was waiting on the redemption from, from, from sins that he would provide. We're also told here, that the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Before the Holy Spirit descended upon believers at Pentecost, Simeon was one of just a few people throughout human history that actually had the Holy Spirit indwell him before that day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came on an individual before Pentecost, it was extremely special and extremely rare, and in many cases it was also temporary, wasn't it? However, you and I, from the moment of our salvation, from the moment that we repented of our sins and cried out to Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of our life, what were we given? We were given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has dwelt within every believer in this room from the moment of our salvation. Before Pentecost, that was temporary. After Pentecost, that was standard. It was customary. The Holy Spirit would come upon us and will guide us and direct us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is with us at all times. Simeon was a man that clearly responded to the Spirit's leading. May it be said of us that we do the same. May we respond to the Lord as he directs us. We also see here in verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. Simeon is told right here that he would not see death 
before the Lord Jesus Christ had come. Think about that. For thousands upon thousands of years, man had waiting, waited on the Messiah. Had waited with great anticipation of the Messiah, of Jesus, coming to this earth. And Simeon was told that before he saw death, the Messiah was going to come during his lifetime. Man, when I think about that, it just kind of, it kind of blows me away. Because only a few people were, were privileged enough to hear words such as that. And those would be those within our Christmas care, um, um, story. We know that, that Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth and John the Bat are, and, 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 um, and Zachariah, as well as the shepherds, had been, had been privileged enough to hear such words, and Simeon was one as well. You know, Christmas is a day that we celebrate the Lord's first coming. It's a day that we celebrate the Lord's first coming to this earth. We call that the first advent. But we're also told in Scripture that Jesus Christ is going to come again, right? He's going to come again. And he is at that time, he's going to come and he's going to take us home with him. During his first coming, we know that Jesus was a suffering servant. During his second coming, we know that Jesus is going to be the conquering king. Do you anticipate Christ's return? Are you ready for Christ to come back? I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Man, I can't wait till Jesus Christ comes back. I can't wait until that day when Jesus Christ takes the sickness away and wipes every tear away. When he comes and takes us home to be with him, to dwell with him for all eternity. If you are not ready, folks, you better get ready. Because Jesus is going to come again. He is going to return again. It's either going to come while you and I are still breathing on this side of eternity, or it's going to come after we have already closed our eyes. And if you close your eyes, having not given your life over to Jesus Christ, Scripture is very, very clear that you will spend eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. What is keeping you this morning from entering into an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ? In verse 27, we are told that, that Simeon came in the Spirit into the temple. Think about that just for a second. Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple to, to dedicate him as well as for Mary to offer up a sacrifice. Who told Simeon to go at just the right time. Think about that. The Lord, the Holy Spirit, told him to show up at the exact time and in the exact spot where Jesus was coming. It wasn't man that told him to enter into that temple. It wasn't Mary and Joseph that told him to enter into that temple. It wasn't the shepherds that told him to enter into that temple. It was the Holy Spirit that guided and directed him into that temple. When was the last time the Spirit led you to do something? When was the last time the Spirit said, Chad or, or, or Bill or Shasta, when was the last time the Lord said, go and do this at this time in this hour to fulfill a purpose? When was the last time the Lord led you and directed you to do something? Think about that for just a moment. 
If you can't identify a time in which the Lord has said, I want you to go do this, then that's an issue. Man, it may be that you're not tapping into the power source that is the Holy Spirit. Hang on. Sorry. It may be that you are not tapping into the power source that is the Holy Spirit. Lord should be leading us and guiding us and directing us every single day to do great and mighty things for him. Simeon was a man that was obedient to the Lord, and he went as directed. May it be said of us that we too, as directed, will go wherever it is that the Lord is leading us to go. In verse 28, Simeon, he takes Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, yeah, I don't know about you, but if my baby is about 40 days old and some stranger that I've never met before grabs my baby out of my hands and lifts him up, I'm probably going to respond in some, some non-holy way. But Simeon, what does Simeon do? He takes the baby, Jesus, in his hands and he offers him up to the Lord and that leads us into our next point, Simeon's song. In verses 29 through 33, we read these words. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation they have pre- that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. You know, Simeon was a blessed man. He was privileged enough to be able to gaze into the very face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Within this song, he gives us a glorious picture. He gives a glorious testimony. And they make some incredible revelations about who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ had come to do. The first thing he does, he declares that his eyes had seen the salvation. His eyes had seen Jesus who had come to bring about salvation. And he had come to bring about salvation not only to the Jews but also to the Gentiles. What that must have been like for Simeon to hold in his hands the Messiah. Do you think that Simeon fully understood and grasped exactly what Jesus Christ had come to do? He may not have fully understood everything, but I think that he had a very clear understanding of what Jesus' purpose was. He knew that Jesus had come and that he was going to live a perfect life and that he was going to become the sacrificial lamb, that this baby, 40 days old, some 33 years from that day, would be going to the cross and dying on that cross for the sins of all of mankind. To think about the weightiness of what he experienced that day is just absolutely incredible when I think about that. But he held the baby Jesus in his hands and he declared that this is the salvation of the world. Simeon makes an important revelation here. He makes the declaration that Jesus had not just come to save the Jews from their sins, but he had come to save the Gentiles as well. In verse 32, we read, A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Salvation may have begun with the nation of Israel, but it did not stop within the borders of Israel, did it? Salvation was and is for all people, for every nation, and for every people group on this planet. You and I, we live in the greatest country in the world. 
No country has the freedoms that we have nor the opportunities that we have. You know, when I think about, um, you know, all that we're going through right now as a nation, there is a reason the nations of the world want to live here. There is a reason refugees seek asylum here. They come here because they are seeking something that billions of people around this world do not have. They are seeking freedom and they are seeking an opportunity for a better life. You know, about 20 plus years ago, I sat in a seminary class and I remember vividly the professor saying these words. He said that the nations of the world are coming here because we as Christians have failed to go to the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I, as I think about that today, that is so true. The nations of the world have come here, haven't they? I mean, think about Collin County. Think about as you drive the streets of Collin County, you'll see temples, you will see mosques, you will see cult centers, you will see place after place that worships a false god, indicating that the nations of the world have not only come here, but their religions have come here as well. Just to prove the nations of the world have come here, do you realize that in Allen, Texas, I read this this week, there is a 15,000 seat cricket stadium that is about to be built in Allen, Texas. Think about that. Cricket is not even a professional sport yet in America, but some guy has the foresight, which he is investing billions of dollars to bring the number two sport in the world to America. That right there tells us that the nations of the world are coming here. So we, as the church, have a responsibility, don't we? As Scripture indicates, Jesus came not only to, 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 to the Jew, but he also came to the Gentile. We, as believers, have been called to go to every people in every nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The nations have come here. We need to share the gospel with them. We also need to be obedient and go to the nations as well. You know, upon hearing the praise from Simeon, we are told that Mary and Joseph marveled at what was said about him, about Jesus. Mary and Joseph would receive confirmation after confirmation after confirmation that, that there was something special about their son. They knew that he was the Messiah. They knew that he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They knew that he had come to take away the sins of all of mankind. They knew that, that he was no ordinary child, but an extraordinary child. And I want you to know this morning that every single one of us in this room that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are also extraordinary. And we have been called to do extraordinary things for the Lord. In conclusion this morning, we're going to be looking at the final point is this, Simeon's blessing. In verse 34, we read these words. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother. Here we see Simeon bless both Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. Okay, But here, notice what Simeon does. He only addresses Mary. And he's going to tell Mary that her 40-day-old baby is going to do a few things. First thing that we see here is that Jesus divides. He tells Mary that Jesus is going to be divisive. In, in, in verse 34 also we read, Behold this child 
is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Jesus is divisive. People's eternity depends on what they do with the Lord Jesus Christ and how they respond to him. In John 1, 9 through 11, we read, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Jesus came to provide salvation for all. Not just one group, every group. He would divide the nation of Israel some 2,000 years ago. And since that moment in time, Jesus has been dividing nations. He's been dividing civilizations. He's been dividing families. You realize that in some cultures, if a, if a, if a person within that family unit converts to Christianity and renounces their, their, their born into religion, those people can be put to death for declaring their allegiance to Jesus Christ. Jesus is divisive. And, he, and, and Simeon declared that from the moment that Jesus was born. Simeon also tells Mary that Jesus is going to be opposed. In verse 34, the final portion of that scripture, it says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. Jesus was the sign from God who would be opposed by more people than he would be accepted by. In Matthew chapter 7, in verses 13 through 14, Jesus declared these words. He said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. The world opposed Jesus from the moment that he entered into human history. And today, the world still opposes him. Billions upon billions of people today on this planet do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And many of them do not know Jesus because either they have not had the opportunity to hear about Jesus or because they have just flat out denied who Jesus is. So they oppose him. Let me ask you this question this morning. Do you know Jesus? Or do you oppose Jesus? If you don't know Jesus, what is keeping you from entering into a relationship with him? Simeon goes on to tell Mary that Jesus excavates hearts. And specifically at the first part of the scripture, he's talking about her own heart. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Mary would experience much suffering because of Jesus. She would without a doubt be the most blessed woman to ever live, but she would also carry with her a burden that probably no other mother has carried before. That's what mothers do, isn't it? They carry the burden of their children. You know, I think about my mom and the burden that she carried more with my brother than me because he was much more rebellious than me. Um, I think about my wife and the burden that she carries for our two blessed children. And I think about many of you and the conversations that we have had together over the years. Now think about the burdens that you carry for your own children. It doesn't matter if that child is seven years old or, or, or 47 years old. 
or 57 years old or whatever it is, there is a burden that every mother carries for their children. And when we think about Mary, we know that she carried a burden with her because she knew every waking day that there was coming a day that her son would go to the cross and die a criminal's death on behalf of all of mankind. On behalf of all of mankind as well as on behalf of her as well. And she knew that, and that was a great burden that she carried with her. Simeon makes his final declaration in first, uh, in, in, um, here in verse 35 again. We see that Jesus demands a decision. So when a sword will pierce through your own soul also, speaking to Mary, and then also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Every single heart will be laid bare before Jesus Christ one day. Every single person will have to make a decision as to what they are going to do with Jesus Christ. They are either, every person is either going to believe in Jesus or will reject Jesus. That goes for all of us in this room. Every single one of us has to make a decision as to what are we going to do with Jesus. Are we going to believe in him for salvation or are we going to reject and deny Jesus? What decision have you made? Scripture tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that there is going to come a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. It goes on to say that that's either going to happen on this side of eternity or it's going to happen within the depths of the earth. If you don't know Jesus, what's keeping you today from entering into a relationship with him? What have you chosen to do with Jesus? Believe in him for salvation or reject and deny him? We started our service, this, um, our, this sermon, with the lyrics from the first stanza from the first Noel. The last stanza goes like this. Then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord that hath made heaven and earth of naught and with his blood Mankind he bought. Noel, Noel, Noel. Born is the king of Israel. In John chapter 1, verse 12, we read the first few verses a, a few moments ago. But John 1, 12 says this. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You realize that the moment that you give your life over to Jesus Christ, you become one of his children. He loves you so much that he went to the cross and he died for you. What a glorious revelation that is in God's word. What a glorious revelation that may be to you this morning for the first time that you're hearing such words. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is to give your life over to Jesus Christ. And for every believer in this room, may you and I live our lives greatly anticipating the return of Jesus. Because the, the, when we live with great urgency for Christ's return, I believe that when we get to that point, we're going to be more concerned about other people as well. 
concerned about their salvation, concerned about their eternity. Let's live with great anticipation of Christ's return so that we can live with great urgency for the salvation of other people. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. I'm going to be standing here at the front. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And if there's a decision that you need to make, I want to invite you to come today to give your life over to Jesus Christ. Man, there is no greater decision that you can make on this day than to give your life over to Jesus. He gave his life for you and for me and for those outside the doors of this church. May you and I live our life for him. Let's stand together, and I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege it is, again, just to be in your house today, to be able to worship you, to be able to read the truth from your word. Father, thank you for the transformation that happens when a person enters into an eternal relationship with you. Thank you for my own transformation and the transformation of those within this room and those outside the doors of this church. But Father, we know that there are many, many, many people yet to cry out to you to be Lord and Savior of their lives. And I pray, Father, that you will create within us an urgency to go to them. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, this morning, if there's someone here that has yet to receive you as their Lord and Savior, that today they will do that very thing. I also pray, Lord Jesus, that if you're leading a family or an individual within this, this room to make Friendship Baptist Church their church home, that they will do that very thing. Father, I don't know what decision needs to be made today, but I know that you do. I pray that your Holy Spirit will guide and direct us, and may all of us respond accordingly. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. If there's a decision you need to make, you come. If you need to come trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, you come. If you need to come this morning and the Lord's leading you to make Friendship Baptist Church your church home, you come as well. You may need to come to this altar and kneel and pray. I don't know what decision you need to make, but as the Lord leads you, you come. For just a moment, our, our instruments are just going to, to play. Okay, and as they play, I'm going to just invite all of us in this room to pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray together. And as the Lord leads you, if there's a decision you need to make, you come. You come now.